So I'm Aline. I am the family's pastor at KV. Um, if I haven't met you yet, hello. Hopefully we'll get to chat more soon. Um, and I'll just get right into it. I have been asked today to talk about joy in the Advent series and specifically what does it look like to find joy in the story of Jesus and especially in the middle of chaos. Um, those two things don't necessarily join up well, and so I'm going to talk in with that in mind today. Um, and, and Advent, it is for some a potentially chaotic time. Uh, last week, Carol spoke, and it resonated with me deeply about um, having small kids with birthdays during the Advent time and all the events and all the running around that that brings. And it doesn't necessarily bring a feeling of hope, love, joy, and peace to your heart. Um, but um, even in the midst of that, whether we have extra events, um, even world events sort of pressing at us further this year, whether we have financial strain and, and stress and anxieties, even the memories that uh, the Christmas season can bring up and, and it being really difficult to relive and, and walk through some of those times. Um, I acknowledge that because as I talk about joy, it's not going to be without those very present realities for all of us in this time. And um, it does feel a bit opposite, as I've said, um, but I want to say today that it's possible. It's possible to experience hope, love, joy, and peace in the midst of what I would just described and would say chaos in the midst of this global time. Uh, the one and only thing to truly get us through these times is to look at the person of Jesus, to what the Bible says about what he has, um, what the Bible has to say about all of um, that Jesus has had lived, and sorry, my words are not coming out, um, and how to apply that to our life. Um, so I personally wouldn't have chosen myself to talk about joy. Um, I'm not like a naturally giddy person as a baseline. Even when I'm genuinely happy, I you know, don't really exude it. Um, there are many other people that I would have loved to just say, you should do this. Um, and yet I felt like maybe God was challenging me to talk on it um, because, um, well, and I'll get into that in a minute, but um, I actually in the last probably month have gone through a personally very chaotic time. And a couple weeks back, I actually almost called Caitlin and said, I'm sorry, I cannot preach on joy when my life is just falling apart in chaos. Um, and I even um, started to, so I, I battle with seasonal depression each winter, and that was starting to set in for me as well during this time. And so I, I paused for a moment in prayer, and I felt the Lord challenging me to speak on this in my weakness so that his strength may be perfected. And I'm hoping that that's what we see today. Um, the other reason is that maybe you feel similar to me. Maybe you have gone through a similar time as me. Maybe you don't feel like you can muster the joy naturally like some other people that are blessed to do that 
um, and I want to say I'm with you in solidarity today. I stand and I say these things as a real person going through these things, and also as a person that has actually very, um, in a very real way, experienced the joy of Jesus, the, the tangible joy in his presence that is very much outside of my personality and very much outside of my circumstances. Um, that's what is available to us today. So, um, I guess I first, uh, when I first began to understand the concept of biblical joy, I had to realize that it didn't start with a smile on one's face, but the condition of one's heart. So in Galatians 5, the Bible says that joy is a fruit, a byproduct, an evidence of the Holy Spirit. I had to learn that much like a fig tree does not stand in the ground, grunting and straining to pop out a fig, but rather is nourished from the roots um, and, and stands against the elements, and the elements actually strengthen it and cause a fruit to be produced in its season. In the same way, we can't call true joy what we manufacture in our own strength on the outward if our heart is not rooted in Christ. The biblical kind of joy is something that we partake of as a fruit and evidence that the Holy Spirit is welcoming into our lives. Uh, speaking of trees and fruit, let's think about this a little bit more together as we look at John 15, verse 4 through 11, which I promise I did not steal Carol's section of scripture from last week. I just am actually encouraged to know that God might be speaking and confirming some things. Um, and I've asked Sam to read. Would you come, Sam? Thanks so much. Sorry. John 15, uh, verses 4 through 11. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Thank you. Hmm. Such a good one. Um, that um, we were made to bear fruit that we would bear much fruit, it says. I love that part. Um, and so looking at this, though there is not much in the Bible about whether or not Jesus was giddy with joy all the time, there is this bit in verse 11, uh, and it talks about his own joy and the idea that he would like to share it with us um, to the extent that our own joy would be complete or made full, as another translation says. 
Uh, we do also see a lot of joy surrounding Jesus in Scripture, and particularly in the Christmas story. We see joy as a fruit that comes at the mention of Jesus and from encounters with him. From John the Baptist to the Magi to the angels visiting the shepherds and announcing the great joy that Jesus will bring to all people in Luke 2. I love the part in scripture where Jesus was still newly in Mary's womb and he met his cousin, also in his mother Elizabeth's womb. Mary went to see Elizabeth and upon seeing each other, here's what happened. In Luke 1, verse 43 to 44, Elizabeth prophesies and says, And why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears? The baby in my womb leapt for joy. Incredible. There's a lot to meditate on that story, including how John the Baptist recognized the Messiah from the womb, but we won't do that right now. Uh, For now, the point is that in these encounters and in many other ones to follow, Jesus is the joy bringer, and he remains to be that to this day. Why is there this joy about Jesus? Because he changes everything, because he's with us, the Emmanuel, because he breaks into our moment right now if we invite him and offers to walk closely beside us through our sufferings before, during, and after, even to the point of where we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials, as the book of James tells us. We get to read about these encounters in the Bible that produce joy, but Jesus also offers himself to us to this very day, here and now. And with himself comes the joy. I remember in my younger years of following Jesus, I heard a sermon on John 10, verse 10, about the abundant life. um, The verse says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come to give life and life abundantly. That's a good one. Um, The the message that day impacted my life, but not in a good way at first. Um, The preacher emphasized quite a bit on the life abundant part, um, being all wealth, all blessings, all victory, all giddiness. And if something didn't go right, like my faith was off, you know. Um, I then went to study this verse and the rest of the Bible a bit more and didn't really find that this perception was correct. Um, What led me to search this out was that my life was not going so smoothly. It was not the abundant life that I was planning on having. Um, I had all these things in mind of how God would bless me if I did everything correctly, and when that didn't go in the direction that I had assumed, I needed to search it out in Scripture. I learned many things, one of which was about the concept of the now and the not yet, which I'll just talk about briefly after I turn the page. Um, So if you haven't looked into that idea, uh, it's a helpful picture of what we already know but can be difficult at times to put into words. Even when you're a follower of Christ, this world can just sometimes be horrible. Uh, Put briefly and simply and probably not as good as most of the people in this room could put it, um, Jesus has completed an eternal and irreversible work in his life and death and resurrection. 
The kingdom of heaven is here, in the now. Miracles happen today. People get set free and even healed, physically, emotionally, mentally, when the kingdom of heaven breaks in. It is also yet to come. There's still death in this world. There's still sickness and suffering. And if you experience those things, it doesn't mean that you are doing something wrong. It is the not yet of the kingdom of heaven, where we wait with anticipation, another sort of advent, for the day when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older things will have passed away. That's in Revelation 21, verse 4. So in the not yet, how do we get this joy that I'm speaking of? That's a good question. Uh, the, The promise of the gospel is that Jesus remains with us both in the now and in the not yet. He's the Emmanuel, God with us. And that brings joy and that helps us to get through the hard times. Along the way in my studies of this this verse in John 10.10, I learned that um, the word abundant for the abundant life is actually more literally translated into fullness, the fullness of life. Fullness like a symphony with both highs and lows that complement each other and create a full sound, or like a painting would be. If the figures are properly shadowed, they highlight one another. They're actually... The dark times actually make the bright ones feel that much brighter. And I'm not saying at all that God brings about darkness as a punishment to us, but that in his redemptive power, he stands with us, creates something beautiful out of the different shades of our story. He invites us into wholeness through trial and triumph alike as we abide and remain in him. Um, As a final thought, I'd like to talk about dependence on God. In John 15, Jesus says to the disciples that they should abide in him. He says that to us today, and to remain in him just like a branch in a vine so that his joy will be in them and that their joy will be made full. And when we think about what it means to remain in Jesus That word in Greek is also translated into abide, stay, and wait. I would say that these words connect with Advent and also with dependence on God. In Psalm 37, verse 3, in the New King James translation, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Just as a branch feeds on the nourishment of the vine to produce the fruit, we are to be nourished by our dependence on God. As a matter of fact, hope, love, joy, and peace all come from close dependence on Jesus. I'm convinced that the amount of our dependence on God is directly correlated with our amount of joy. The early church experienced this, and history tells us of many oppressed people groups that had no choice but to depend on God, and the accounts of some of the purest joy in Christ come from there. Most of the time, it's not our human nature to be anything but independent, to spend our energies and our own strength and make sure everything is taken care of. Even when we tend to feel, we can tend to feel shame about our own neediness. 
but God made us for dependence on him. There's the kind of dependence that we have the luxury of deciding we'll have on God when everything is going fine and we can joyfully choose to put our trust in him. And then there are the times when we don't have the choice, the times of chaos, when we've come to the end of our rope. Then is when we are forced to depend on him. And it's at that point when Matthew 5.3 says that we are blessed because where our strength ends is where his begins. And there lies the invitation into a depth of joy. Through knowing God in a way, depending on God in a way that is not like we have known before and would not be the case if we weren't going through that particular way of suffering. He makes it beautiful. We are made to experience joy. But in our own strength without dependence on God, that joy will be one-dimensional, strained, and very temporary. As we turn our hearts toward dependence on him, he promises that, though weeping may endure for the night, joy does come in the morning. That's Psalm 30. It can be scary to commit ourselves to the hands of God. Even that term can carry a bit of a, a doomsday connotation in the modern world. But I'll remind us today that the hands of God are merciful, gentle, healing, miracle-working, sustaining, and joy-bringing. When we lean into dependence on God, we give up the illusion of control. Because really our perception of being in control is a feeble attempt to gain some peace. Dependence, or put another way, making ourselves vulnerable to God's mercy and care is where joy truly begins. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me. Um, and what I'll be praying for and what I specifically want to invite you into um, is to come up for prayer if, um, you, if something resonated with you today and you want this joy. Um, if you're in a place where you can't even muster a prayer for yourself and don't really know what to do, there are people that will be standing up here to pray with you today, and that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Um, if you have dealt with depression, like I have, I believe God wants to move. I believe, I, I would love to pray with you today, and I know there are others that would love to do the same. Um, the other thing we'll do is um, worship, just as we did uh, before, earlier in the service. And um, as we do, um, worship, I just want to say, is what we we're made to do, and it's not limited to singing. Um, but it's the way to connection with God and all that he has to offer, including his joy. He offers us himself today as we worship him. Um, specifically, if you're feeling like your circumstances are making it difficult to rejoice in praise today, I will leave you with this quote by author Brennan Manning uh, from his book, Ruthless Trust. It says, To be grateful for an unanswered prayer to give thanks in a state of interior desolation, to trust in the love of God in the face of marvels, 
cruel circumstances, obscenities, and commonplaces of life is to whisper a doxology in the darkness. Will you stand with me? Pray to God. God, uh, we just come to you as one body today and come into your presence, Lord. Thank you that you offer yourself to us and that your word says in the Psalms that in your presence is the fullness of joy. And God, I ask for that to be the experience today. And Lord, if it's a struggle to have that experience, I pray that you would help us to come alongside of each other and encourage each other today. Lord, we just bless you and honor you. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.